Hey everybody, welcome back to the Training Make Podcast. Uh, before we start, I want to let you guys know about mine and Max's uh, seminar coming up. It's at Onnit Academy in Austin, Texas, and it's in nine days. Uh, yep. Ten days? Nine days. Nine days. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a really great seminar. It's a one-day thing, uh, and it's for all levels. Whether you want to learn weightlifting, whether you're an experienced weightlifter, whether you want to learn how to be a weightlifting coach, or whether you are an experienced coach, we are going to provide the best possible product we can for you guys, and we really want to see you there. Again, that's on the 20th, uh, and tickets, you can find them on Eventbrite. So go to eventbrite.com, search Max, Ada, and Zach Tellender, and we'll be the first thing that pops up. I'm your host, Zach Tellender. With me, as always, is Max Ada. Max, how are you? I am good, Zach. So today I want to talk about nutrition, um, and mainly I want, to, I want to know your experience with your athletes, um, you know, specifically yeah. ab- about whether, you know, there are common issues with um, nutrition, if you've seen improvements with their nutrition improvement, a lot of this in my mind is around uh, body image, right? So because a lot of what we do when we put content out, a lot of the comments from people who are coming from fitness or you know, other places of the internet, a lot of them are talking about the way someone looks. And in our sport, we don't really care too much about that. However, you know, I'm wondering if you know, I, I just want to know your experience with nutrition, and then I guess we can go from there. So, you know, I know there, you have Alyssa, and she is all over that, um, you know, cutting, which is crazy yeah. for a 49-kilo yeah. woman. But, yeah, like, well, yeah, know, I mean, what has been your experience with that? So the, you know, a long time ago, and probably for most, most, like, I would say guys are probably going to fall into this category more, but long time ago, nutrition and weightlifting were just basically totally separate things. I mean, nutrition, the nutrition advice I got as a lifter, and I'm sure a lot of people got when they were young, uh, you know, or or a lot of people in that generation got was pretty basic, you know, eat enough protein, you know, eat eat enough to, to, you know, get bigger and, and pretty simple. Like, there's a lot of that, like the gallon of milk a day stuff and just shit that really wasn't not necessarily like really bad info everywhere, just not a lot of info, not a lot of, you know, stuff going into it. Uh, you know, so you, you might have people that kind of came from a bodybuilding background or that kind of thing that were more, you know, aware of nutrition. Um, and fast forward to now where it's, I mean, there's several multi-million dollar companies you know, that started totally based around nutrition uh, and, and providing that service. And the I see it like this. There's like a few pillars that you have to have, you know, like just just to even have a seat at the table, so to speak, in, in athletics. You know, you have to work extremely hard. Like you have to work 100% of the time at, at, you know, the absolute limit of what you're able to do. You have to be talented. You have to have, you know, all those pieces in place simply to ante up into the game. Uh, it, you know, if, if you're if you have any one of those things, but you're not doing it all the way, you're not even going to be able to find out if you're going to be good at the sport. 
so nutrition is like one of those pillars that fits in there where you have to have your nutrition dialed in to the the absolute nth degree to maximize so many different factors in training. If your nutrition is good, you can maintain a higher body weight relative to your weight class. You can be leaner, you know, you can recover better. You can you can improve so many different things. It's not even really worth sitting here listing a bunch of stuff, but if your nutrition is dialed in, yeah, you're going to be awesome. You're going to do the best you possibly can with what you have. Someone like Alyssa is a good example where you know, she trains significantly heavier than her body weight class. As a percentage of her body weight is probably well over what most people are going to train at. She's also able to maximize all of those factors going into meets, you know, having more muscle mass, being larger, training heavier, being leaner so she can cut more weight, you know, lose more water weight as she gets, you know, close to the meet and actually cuts for the, the weigh-ins. You know, she's the, the, the pinnacle of that as far as I'm concerned. I'd be surprised if there's anyone else in, in UCW at that level. Um, probably a lot of people that are close, but but that that cut, that, you know, process is, is dialed in. Yeah, it's, the, it's brutal. I mean, 49 kilos, right? Like well, it's a, it's a science at this point. You know, it's, it's you know, she, she puts the work in to record her body weight resting, you know, morning, night, throughout the day. She knows, you know, as she should. Uh, my, my wife is the one that kind of, you know, probably helped her in the beginning and started her understanding the process. My wife is really, really good at, at this process as well. But, you know, her, her thing was you have to weigh yourself and understand exactly how much weight you're losing in a certain state. So every hour or two hours, you're going to weigh yourself and find out what you're actually losing, you know, to, to breathing and, and just being alive and regular body processes. That stuff all factored in. When Alyssa weighed in at uh, Pan Am's, she was exactly 49.00, which is that, perfect. It's insane. Which is what you should be. You should never be, you know, if, if you're under that, you fucked up. If you're under, you know, by, you know, more than like 0.2, then you did something wrong. Um, really point, point one is, is, you know, what you should be at. You should never be that much lower because there's no more body weight rule anyways. But, you know, to kind of wrap all that up, what it, what it really does is maximize nutrition gives you access to play at the table with everyone else, to really be in the, in the running and see what your talent levels can do, see what your work, your hard work can, can actually produce. The other side of that coin is having shit nutrition. You know, one is just being inconsistent. A lot of people probably have no idea what they're eating or how much. They, it's it's up and down, and it's a reactive process where they eat when they're starving or they eat way too much all the time. They're they're you know overly uh, they they have too high a body fat uh, relative to their their weight class, or they're just they're just so inconsistent that there's really no benefits to be gained from from their what they're doing. Uh, it's definitely going to hurt them and. The, the sad thing is, I think that for, you know, and this is probably true, like, you, you know, with women and, and more so than men, is the body image stuff. People yeah. probably resist certain weight classes. You don't want to go up because you don't feel, you don't, you don't feel good. You don't feel right. You don't like being heavier or softer. Um, you know, so your nutrition becomes this mechanism where, you know, at the, at the least it's, just a, a bouncing back and forth thing that's inhibiting your your progress. At the worst, it becomes an eating disorder and becomes something that's you know quite a bit worse, uh, and, and you know, obviously a serious a serious health and, and 
life issue there. But, you know, it's this thing that, that nutrition is just a piece, it's a piece of the puzzle, it's a tool, it should be thought of as that. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing to get that across to people that, that, you know, nutrition plays such a big part of this, especially with younger people, they just don't see it, they don't realize yeah. it. So, you know, in my experience, growing up, I was always a twig. Um, I was always told like, you know, you're super lean, you can eat whatever you want. Um, and so basically, for the longest time, I just ate whatever I could as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And um, that was very much a, an American football mindset. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The crazy thing was like, you know, I never really, it, it, it really did build poor habits. Um, and I never understood how much I was burning. I never understood how much protein I needed. I never got these things. Right. I just figured, let's just go, like, eat as much as you can. Doesn't matter what, just put it in your mouth, just eat. And I just, you know, I started to realize in weightlifting, like, we don't burn that much. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're, it's not as if we're just freak of nature athletes like Michael Phelps and we should just be crushing 10,000 calories and, and, and so on and so forth. I, I think it's really important to just know the factors to which you're playing with Yeah. to just understand them is the first step. When you can find out how many calories you're burning, you're actually way farther ahead than the majority of people. I believe. Yeah. And, and then then you can start to make these like tiny little fixes. Um, for me, it's like it's difficult, right? I'm a long stick figure. So clean and jerking is always an issue for me if I don't have kind of that body weight. I was playing around with losing weight here and I was going to do uh, going to compete as a 102. But, you know, you and I decided that it's probably best if I'm coaching all weekend to not worry about cutting. Yeah, I'm not an elite weightlifter by any stretch and I have a job to be a coach. So I'm going to be under 109. That's just going to happen. Right? Like I weigh 106 right now and in two weeks I'm competing as a 109. So in that sense, I'm not optimal, but I'm not Alyssa Ritchie. You know what I mean? Like her thing, like that's her job right now. Right. Just to be the best possible weightlifter she can. So she has to maximize the amount of muscle on her body and minimize the amount of unusable fat and body image or not. That's the reality of it. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I can only I can only imagine the challenge of being, you know, a, a young girl in this in in this sport especially now with instagram and with the social media like i can't sit here and claim to have any ability to sympathize or relate to it um you know it's it's brutal but it's got to be extremely challenging and you have to imagine all the hurdles that you're already climbing over you know <laughs> that everyone else is in plus all of that stuff added on that's that's really tough um i i think that you know you're you're really accurate in saying in saying that you know it's important to to realize that you know you're coaching all weekend you're you're doing this there's a, a good understanding there that that there's a give and take right and we we all understand the give and take with training yeah if you max out on monday you know tuesday is not going to be as good right i mean 
Yeah. Nine times, nine, 99 out of 100 times, Tuesday is not going to be a better day. You're going to have to go lighter. Um, but I think a lot of times with nutrition, people don't make those connections where, you know, hey, wh- what you're cumulative eating, you know, what you're consistently eating day in, day out, if you're in a calorie deficit or a surplus, like these are compounding effects that, that you know, have ramifications later on down the road. If you're training or, sorry, you're coaching all weekend, you know, by the end of the weekend, you're going to be exhausted and, and fucked up. So you're, there's no way you're going to want to also cut weight then. And, and you know, if you did, you might have a far worse performance. And that's pretty obvious. But, but I think that's the kind of thing that with nutrition, when people don't grasp the importance of it or don't grasp how it can be used, they miss that big key there that it's, it's like you have, you have a ton to gain from it. And so much to lose when you don't actually capitalize on it. Yeah, there's. I also want to talk about the other side of this that maybe, you know, knowing a few factors that are important to nutrition is what you should focus on. Some people are very, very diligent. Like they have every right. single calorie written out. And I think that that's fine. If that's how you operate, that's fine. But I think that you don't always have to be like that. And I think the same thing can remain true in weightlifting. For instance, Max, if I'm lifting with you and you're like, okay, Zach, today you need to do doubles at 110. And I am absolutely smoking them. How much of a difference is it going to be if I go to 115 or 120? Right. You know, I'm doing well. It's not, you know, the loading at that point, it's not crazy. It's not going to kill me if I go up. You know, the other side of that is, hey, you're supposed to do doubles at 110. They look like shit. You're, you're saving every rep. Go down. Right? There's that kind of that, that leeway, that yeah. understanding that it exists, but it doesn't have to be perfect. What I've found is if I want to cut weight, there's two things that I need to make sure is happening. One, there's actually quite a bit of science that says one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, have you heard that? And for 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 like if you if you want to cut weight, you just have to make sure that that macro happens so that you don't lose muscle mass as at the same time. Uh, You're probably going to you're probably going to lose muscle mass regardless of what you do. Right. Okay, I'm saying it limits it. Yeah. I mean, the goal is to basically mitigate that effect as much as possible. Right. So, I mean, your protein intake has to remain the same. And if your fat intake drops too low, then you're going to start to struggle with performance and, and some hormonal stuff. So obviously the one thing you can do is reduce the calories that you're ingesting that are purely for energy, right? Right. So, so yeah, but the one is like keep your protein constant right. and drop the other things. And that to me has worked really well for cutting. And I think that's somewhat intuitive but maybe it's not for some other people. But, you know, there's um, uh, God, Tudor Bumpa basically says that as soon as you hit com- competitive prep, you're, you're essentially detraining. Your muscle mass will actually go down. Your ability to do one rep maxes at a certain weight will actually go down. But that's essentially what you want because there's one specific point where you need to be at max level, capa- max capacity for what you need to do. It's like, um, and, and all of these factors will limit the amount that, that those aspects drop. Right. So like you were saying, you're going to lose muscle mass when you cut. But that's kind of the goal because you're at a surplus of muscle mass. In yeah. Alyssa's case, right? 
What's Someone a, who yeah. she what does she walk around at? Oh, fifty two. Can't give away all this. I don't. Uh, probably probably okay. more than yeah. that. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's um, a secret. I mean, yeah, that's fine. That's oh, fine. I don't. So, I, don't, I don't know. I just I don't actually know a hundred percent what she's at right now. I mean, but well, yeah, so, let's say fifty two plus. But so she'll have more muscle mass at that weight than yeah. she will at a lower. But the amount is mitigated as much as possible. Well, there's yeah. I mean, also what you're describing too is uh, is the phenomena of what's happening in the the course of different phases of training, right? When you go from a phase of high volume, the you know total volume performed, all things being equal, is going to be correlated with an increase in muscle hypertrophy. So, when you're in these early phases of training, you're doing a lot of reps. Let's say you're doing 1,500 reps a month there's a certain amount of muscle mass associated with that. Assuming that you're in at least calorie maintenance phase or calorie surplus, you would be building muscle, right? If you're in a surplus, you'd have a certain amount of muscle yeah. on you. As you move into higher intensities, you know, the competitive phase, you're going to have to decrease volume. So that decrease in volume should also be accompanied with a decrease in calorie consumption because well, if you needed to eat 3,000 calories a day to maintain 1,500 reps a month, you're gonna, and you're now down to 900 reps a month, you have to cut calories. Otherwise, you'd be, you'd be gaining, you know, body fat. So there's this, this, this sort of linkage between all things where it's like it's just a natural state that you have to achieve. You, you have to be doing this. If you move from a high volume preparatory phase into a lower volume competitive phase, and you don't reduce calories and you don't actually lose you know, you're going to lose some muscle from that. If you don't do that, you're probably going to get fatter going into a competition. Yeah, and this this might seem like a, a little bit of a segue, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And this is back on that body image track. At the end of, end of the day, it doesn't matter what you look like. It matters what you lift. Yeah. And there may be a correlation to like, you know, looking shredded and lifting the best that you possibly can. But Look good, lift good. I mean, that ideally would exist, but there we have seen lifters who do not look like bodybuilders do incredibly well. You remember and Alan think, Sagaev? No. Uh, he was a like a one oh what was it back then? One oh five Bulgarian lifter. He would walk out on the platform, he looked like a plumber. He like <laughs> looked like he had never worked out a day in his life. I mean he was kinda like a big dude, obviously, but um, you would never pick that guy out of a lineup. Like that guy's a weightlifter. I mean, I I saw um, the first time I saw Gabriel Sincrayan. Mm. You know, he clean and jerked two hundred at uh, two thousand fifteen Worlds. Right. And I was like, this guy, like I, you know, if I saw walked next to him and someone said this guy yeah. clean and jerks two hundred, I'd be like, yeah, you're you're lying. Yeah. Right. But so the whole thing about like, do you even lift is like, it's funny because no one who's ever actually lifted has ever said that, you know, do you even lift, bro? It doesn't look like you lift. It's like, what, what does that even matter? Like you, yeah, you know, it's a pretty much irrelevant. I mean, there's, you know, there's the, there's always going to be that shit going on in the internet where people, people, you know, have to. They have to say something, I guess. So what else are you going to say? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's better that than the fact that they're pointing out how shitty your lifting is, right? Yeah, but that <laughs> happens as well. So that, That's the comment that follows. He's fat too, but also he lifts like shit. 
I've had that happen before in person, though. Yeah, but you know, you have a couple lifts on uh, Cal Strength oh, base. They gotta page. be fucking awful. No, they were fast as hell, though. You know what I mean? So it's like, who cares? Like it's like a one ten snatch and a one forty clean, uh, and it's like, yeah, they're lightweights, but you're absolutely pumping them, and it's it looks great. So who who really cares? You know what I well, mean? Well, thanks, Zach. Yeah, man. If I could <laughs> gas you up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if, if we could provide some very limited knowledge, because I, I'm going to speak for myself on this and yeah. then maybe you can agree. No, uh, nutrition is not my, uh, strong point as far as knowledge goes. Um, I think you probably know a lot more now having Joanne, your wife and having worked with, you know, more high caliber athletes. But for me, it helps to have like general ideas of like importance. And I think, what is it? RMR, resting metabolic rate. Right. That's a super important one because that one is just how many calories do you burn if you just laid in bed all day? Yeah. Okay. And then you can just add in your daily calories. If you have an iPhone, it tracks your steps. Uh, and then, you know, if you wear, you know, if you wear like a heart rate monitor or something, um, you can track how much you burn, you know, in a session of training there, you know, your maintenance calories, um, beyond that, in my opinion, a gram of protein per pound of body weight. And then you determine where else your calories come from. Um, that will work as well. Do you have any other like very basic, yeah, I mean, nutritional uh, guidelines. Uh, the the biggest things are really like the most basic stuff is keep track of what you do. You have to keep track of what you eat. Yep, um, exactly. And, and be very accurate with it. You know, don't say, "Oh, I had some peanut butter." Weigh it out and see how much you ate. I mean, I know it seems tedious, but but it's like anything else. You you count the reps you do in training. You you know you you do all these things, right? Um, you you have to keep track of what you're doing because if you don't know what you're doing, it's impossible to change it. It's impossible to fix it because you don't know which which direction to go. Outside of that, the the key is find something consistent. You know, if you're going to break down your your carbs, protein, and fat by certain percentages, you know, and you're going to get whatever whatever you know forty percent of your calories from from carbs and the other 40 from protein, 20 from fat, whatever that numbers, what the numbers are, be consistent with them for a period of time that's long enough to actually see what's happening. So consistently measure stuff, find a plan that makes sense and stick to it for a period of time and then reassess that. That's the most basic advice I would give about it because it's yeah. easy to change something that you already know is consistent. It's impossible to change it if like you have no idea what's happening. Yeah, and you don't even don't like, do keto. <laughs> that would yeah. be the other one. If you're so, a weightlifter, if you're if you're trying to perform in weightlifting, and I'm sure there's gonna be some guy who's like, "Well, fuck you, Max." I'm, you know, I did keto. I did and keto. I body weight. I just snatched 87 kilos, motherfucker. It's a PR. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I I I totally agree with that, and and sometimes like. What I've found lately, and this, you know, this has actually been working for me with my programming. I have kind of this idea of what I want to do um, in, in like my micro cycle. And then when I get to my session, 
I write down exactly the reps that I did working up to it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's more of an activity while I'm lifting. And that has helped me a ton as far as programming. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's the kind of thing, too, is that there's, you know, this is something, this is a concept I think that is difficult for people that are new to the idea of, of training or anything that's process oriented is that you may, as a coach, have the correct answer to a question. You know, the question is, well, how do I train correctly? You may have that answer. You may know the answer. Great coaches may know the answer. They may not know why that's the right answer, right? And, and there's a difference between being like, you know, a great coach and, and just being some guru who's an expert. You know, the expert might be able to explain why it's happening, but the coach knows what's happening, knows, well, knows what the answer is right. And so your little process of writing things down as you do it may be your way of, of <laughs> discovering what the actual underlying reasons why your answer is already correct. Yeah, I mean, it, we should change the name of this podcast to It Depends Radio. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. That, that's right. the reality of all these things is that you know, it's, it, it depends on, on what the answer is. It depends on what the, the question is. But It depends on literally any factor you can name. Right, right. Um, my last YouTube video, I, I said that um, if any coach answers you with, with anything other than it depends, they're doing you a disservice because only Sith deal in absolutes. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to segue into a different topic because I feel like we kind of nailed that one. Um, Done. You know, if, we solved all nutrition related yeah. questions that will ever be asked on this podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we're basically experts at this point. Just we, a gallon of milk a day, guys. Come on, get your hips into of, it. Well, yeah, I've actually there's Hip actually drive. new studies that, that say uh, gallon of soy milk a day. Now that's the new thing. That's the Berkeley way. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh, 2019. It's, it's oat bro. milk. It's oat milk now. They have yeah. oat milk here. There's hey, every actually, it's every yeah. single weird thing that you didn't know could be turned into milk has been turned into milk in the bay area bro everything quickly cashew milk no that's that uh, was that's almond years milk. Year, years uh, behind the time zach pea milk <laughs> not like pea as in urine there's but people like on there's people on craigslist in the bay area i guess that are selling breast milk human oh, breast great. milk for people yeah, to buy great. and drink yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so let's move on because like we said, we're yeah. experts on nutrition. Um, I, I recently saw this video with uh, Robert Oberst. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah. He's on yeah. Joe Rogan. Yeah. So um, what, what's interesting is I spend way too much time on YouTube. Uh, and <laughs> we're a YouTuber, saw, right? Isn't that what I'm you a, do? I'm a YouTuber. Um, the, the emphasis is on tuber there. A YouTuber. Uh, but I saw this clip when it had like a thousand views on it. Um, and it triggered me for sure. Uh, because oh, good. and it's not I'm I'm overstating that. But he basically says that you shouldn't do deadlifts because the risk reward is too high. And I, I actually have the clip loaded and hopefully I have it on the right spot. So I'm going to play it for you. So, you know, so, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I do take issues with the reasoning behind this. Let's see if I can. 
little tip deadlifts if you're if you're deadlifting to be a better deadlifter fine if you're not doing that for deadlift's sake then don't fucking do it the risk to reward ratio is a joke for deadlifts for deadlifts really? and a lot of people aren't going to like that i'm saying that but if you go into Me. any nfl uh gym in any division one college football gym in any athletics where people are actually getting paid and it matters what they're doing they're not deadlifting really they're hand cleaning and power cleaning why is that because the, the risk to reward ratio like well, there's it's so hard to be a great deadlifter and to not risk your low back and oh. to, to be using your upper back properly and you know just there's so many little uh um chances for you to get hurt you know hamstrings deadlift that was that was me so uh, so i i disagree um what do you think about that i the answer is going to be this at insert any exercise you want into the place of deadlift. And, and the argument he's making is that, you know, pro, pro athletes, pro sports, you know, whatever, NFL, you know, MLB, anything, that, that deadlifting isn't going to really, the, the risk of doing it isn't worth the reward, meaning that whatever you, whatever gains you make from it are not going to impact your sport enough to be more lucrative for you. And I would agree with that statement that, that, at a certain point of physical preparation in you know with the deadlift once you get to a certain level if you have any competency in it um, above a certain point it's it's no longer going to have any impact on your sport results and this but is this is well you known. could say that you could say that with many yep. other movements you could say that of every single thing that isn't the sport itself in, mo- <laughs> in most cases right? <laughs> That's, so, it's true, right? Because yeah. at some point, everything you're doing in the weight <laughs> you room... You had me... Dude, I was about to... I mean, I was fuming there for right. a second. <laughs> at, at every single exercise, every single thing you do in the weight room, there is inherently a risk. There's some reward, right? The the benefit of... Uh, this this came up years ago with Steph Curry and I think probably... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ripito. He was saying if Steph Curry deadlifted more than four hundred pounds, he'd be a better basketball player. And and he like I think Steph had pulled like four or five. And the reality is like he's completely incorrect in that if Steph Curry does any I mean, Steph Curry could never deadlift again and most likely it would be it would be you know, impossible to really quantify whether that made him a worse basketball player if he even got worse which is unlikely so the point being that all general exercises all gpp stuff for pro athletes for people in team sports for anything other than weightlifting powerlifting strongman um, and crossfit anything outside of that or anything outside of sport uh, movements and all the gpp stuff has has a limit of of positive impact Right, it, it just does. It's not gonna. There's not gonna be some greater carryover. Um, you know, it's you know that that is probably a threshold that is very, very much lower than a lot of people wish it was. Well, know? so I'm glad you laid out the absolute base layer of the argument. It's it's to to quantify what a exercise does for a football player. It's almost impossible. A singular exercise, it's almost impossible to quantify that. And then the, the limit to that, again, like you said, is lower than what people would right. like. However, the argument here is that deadlifts are inherently da- more dangerous than anything else. 
And my thing, and, and this is my main gripe about this, is that that's not true with any movement on Earth. There is right. always such right. a thing as progression. There's always such a thing as overload. Um, and, and the lifter or the person who's allowing the lifter to lift is the problem, not the movement itself. Right. So, right? so yeah. the, the odds – okay, so, so this is how a lot of football, uh, lock, or football training centers work. They want the energy high. They want to see big weights being moved. Regardless of progression, they want to feel the energy in the room. And that actually will help you a lot of times. The safer version of having that energy, that juice, is to do a trap bar deadlift than a straight bar deadlift. Yeah. Because it limits the moment arm and it keeps the load close to you and it allows you to lift more earlier, right? But again, that has nothing to do with the straight bar deadlift being more dangerous than the trap bar deadlift, you know, and I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. I, if the lifter moves properly, it's not a dangerous movement. Yeah. If the lifter moves three by 10 properly at a certain weight, maybe the next week they can do three by eight or four by eight or four by 10, maybe at a heavier weight, maybe less rest time. That's called training. That's called programming, right? To ignore that factor and to just say, yeah, we don't do straight bar deadlifts because, yeah. you know, those are dangerous. That's just bullshit. But and the reason why I'm bringing it up and I'm getting so fired up is because this is not the first time I've heard this. Like you said, the Ripito thing where he's talking about Steph Curry, that's kind of the opposite side. Saying, like, if yeah. he deadlifted more, he'd be a better basketball player. Like, first off, Ripito, you can't even produce better power lifters, bro. Like, g get out of here with that garbage. But, you know... That th this sort of speak, they see. By the way, this video has over two million views. Someone is gonna casually see this and go into the gym and be a bro and be like, "Yeah, no, bro, I don't do straight ar straight bar deadlifts." They're gonna get really interested in 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 coaching or or being well, a personal trainer. Then they're gonna tell other people that. What I would and say then is they're gonna that put a YouTube channel up. You know, what it, I would it's just say gonna keep going. Is that. We're probably lucky enough in the fact that the people that are going to watch it and go in the gym and not deadlift are probably the people that are already going in the gym and not deadlifting. Yeah, well, uh, so <laughs> so if you're if you're deadlifting and you're doing it regularly and you watch the video, you're probably going to say, "Yeah, I don't agree with that." I, I think I think what he's so, so, yeah, you go. My my thing is, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. But, I like the rant. But okay, so this is this is coming from being in strength and conditioning. Yeah. Because I've, I I've heard this consistently. You know, the power clean, the, the front rack is really dangerous. Um, this the power snatch. You know, the overhead position is just too dangerous. The the strict press, everything is too dangerous. Because maybe it's the incompetency of the lifter or the coach who's coaching the lifting. If if um uh. If a if a football coach wants lifters to lift big weights, and you're a, a a strength coach, and so you need these guys to be back squatting big, you need them to be pulling big. If you have them do that on a straight bar, there there are good odds that you're going to progress them too fast, and that's when you'll see technical breakdown, and that's when you're going to see the risk of injury. That has nothing to do with the 
the movement that has nothing to do with the methodology of a straight bar deadlift or any sort of progression that has everything to do with your right. incompetency as a coach. So this well, shit you know, the- that Oberst is saying, it's, it's consistently being pushed over and over again. Yeah, I, I guess mean, I'm going to end my rant there. The, <laughs> to sum that up, the the dose makes the poison, right? If you're yep. if you're doing deadlifts with more than what you can handle, if the training isn't correct, then it increases the risk. There, there's inherently a risk with everything you do, right? Every single thing you do, it has some level of risk. You know, eating a bowl of cereal is probably a pretty low level of risk, but I'm sure there's some that exist there. Uh, you know, you could choke on it and die. How often does it happen? You know, probably never. Um, in the in the sense that, you know, what he's talking about primarily is that he thinks, and this is his personal opinion, his risk his risk tolerance, you could say, is really really low for deadlifting, and and his experience with deadlifting, right? Uh, you know, who he's coached, how he's done it, all those things. So it's you know, he's he's decided that his you know that that risk is too high. I think a lot of people would probably agree in strength and conditioning with with that statement, you know, that it it is too high. I think that there's probably, you know, you know, if he was on this podcast, there would be a lot more of it depends going on. But uh, you know, the reality is like, okay, well, that statement probably needs a lot more clarification than simply the the, you know, grabby idea the you know the the catchy title of you know don't deadlift or you'll or you're gonna hurt right robert oberst thinks no one should deadlift well i would think that's probably not the case i think he could explain it better in the sense but he did he he took 13 minutes to explain it you know did he really well he he basically i mean he laid out three points right there well i mean even still he said then, yeah. then that's you know that's his his risk assessment is that it's just too it's too risky. I mean, I would I would definitely be on the side of like if I had athletes that were worth millions of dollars to play, you know, and they were they were in that place, then there would be a much greater assessment of whether or not what they're going to do or what I'm going to have them do is worthwhile. I I do find it funny though. This is kind of interesting that after he talks about deadlifting. He mentions that they're doing like hang cleans and hang snatches as though those exercises are any safer than deadlifting for somebody who's, you know, most likely people doing that are less coordinated at hang cleans and hang snatches than they are at deadlifting. I mean, deadlifting is like a progression to those exercises. So it it is kind of contradictory and funny that he mentions or he cites these other things afterward as like, well, if you don't want to get hurt deadlifting, then do hang cleans like. Are we going to so, see a bunch of guys go in the gym now and start doing a bunch of hang cleans and, and you know, fuck their hands the up thing. and elbows? The, the beautiful thing about strength and conditioning is you can use all of these different tools right. as long as you keep the movement solid. There's nowhere that it says that these guys need to be deadlifting 500 pounds in order to, uh, in order to have some sort of carryover to performance. Yeah. If you want a straight bar deadlift, make sure they're doing it right. And then guess what? Move on to something else. Yeah, maybe I some mean, jumps, maybe some right. kettlebell swings, maybe some carries, maybe some back squatting. It doesn't matter. I'll never say, I'll never be like, "Hey, trap bar deadlifting is stupid." When you could straight bar deadlift, I would never say that. Right. Do them both. Yeah, it has it, nothing it, to do with the movement and everything to do 
it has nothing to do with the type of movement. It has everything to do with the individual's movement. Right. The, yeah, the problem is really in that it's it's the vilifying of one thing when it's really inaccurate. I mean, the reality is that it's not the you know it's it's the dose, not the not the thing. It's the the, the exercise is not the poison, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's we're always pure, poisoning ourselves. Yeah, well, it's purely the fact that. They're either doing it in, you know, with too much load, or they're doing it incorrectly, or a combination of both, or they're just not, you know, they're they're using inappropriate training means to accomplish something that's not worthwhile. So, yeah, I, for sure. All right, man. I think we can end the podcast there, unless you have anything cool to tell the world. Uh, I think you should change your name to one word, and just call yourself Zealander. Zealander. One, one. I, get rid of the first and last, and if you have a middle, drop that too. Just go by Zealander. Yeah, I was actually on uh, Alan Thrall's mm. channel, and I went by Doctor Zach. Ah, and he's like Doctor of what? I'm like, no, no, no. That's my first name is Doctor, yeah. and my my second name is. Is it, is it spelled D R or is it D O C K? D O C K D O C K T E R. Z. Doctor Zach. Doctor. One word. Yeah, hi, I'm <laughs> Zealander. Uh, Just go by Zealander. Uh, I think that's the best. Please, 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 to all the listeners, make this happen. Please refer to him as Zealander from now on. Don't make this happen, please. <laughs> uh, but to, uh, only in person, though. I don't want to see this word written on any description or in any comment or anything. Only in person, and it's like oh, what's up, Zealander? Like a Fight Club thing. You got to be really like, you know, for those of you that haven't seen Fight Club, when you turn eighteen, if, go no, ahead no, and no. rent it. And, yeah, no, end it there. If you haven't seen Fight Club, like stop listening and yeah. go watch it now. Right, exactly. But just like silently acknowledge him, and then whisper Zealander and move on. All right, man. This has been a good one. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check out our YouTube channel, Training Make Podcast. Really good. Alex is the editor. Say, hey, Alex, good job with this. Or, hey, Alex, do better. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Cool. We will see you guys on the next episode. Probably from Texas. Oh, yeah. We definitely should do an episode. We'll there. have an episode in Texas, and we'll definitely have an Albuquerque special. Al hey guys, Alba crazy, uh, Alba crazy, all beef jerky is what I like to call it. <laughs> we'll be at the apples and oranges finals too, apples and oranges series. Oh, nice! And all beef jerky. All right, guys, see you later. <laughs>